Blog Talk Radio. All right, well, let's get us a songbook. Let's all stand together. Let's turn. This will be an easy one to find. Number one. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Nazarene. Number one. Praise God. 
We got prayer requests. I can tell you, they pray for Joanne. She's not feeling well. They pray for her uh, to get feeling better. And Scott's with us today. Praise God. Thank God for him being here. I know he's, I know he's exhausted just getting here, but praise God, he made it. Amen. So you pray for him, and uh, and pray for God to strengthen him and and give him good days. And pray pray about his his uh, liver transplant that 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 hurries up. And uh, I know he's anxious to get that done. And um, I, I know there are probably others that I've got on my mind. But go ahead, Mary. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I, I I feel for them having to having to deal with all that trouble down there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's well. Even so, that's still that. You know, even if I was down there lost somewhere in Bahamas, I wouldn't be too mad. I don't think. <laughs> but anyway, yes, we'll pray for them to save journey home. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Miss Charlotte. Okay. And praise my foot. All right. I sure will. Amen. Others? Dan, how you feeling, brother? Well, well, I'm glad you made it. Amen. Amen. We're praying for you. Pray you keep getting stronger. Anybody else? Others? Prayer, prayer requests? Anybody else? Anything else? Okay. I'm sure a bunch of us in here probably got some unspoken too if we really thought about it. But uh, you know, if you got anybody in you in your life that needs the Lord's help, be a good time to lay them on God's altar too. We've all got somebody like it. Let's bring them to God. You ain't gotta say the name out loud, just the way you while you got your hat, your head bowed, just just mention their name to the Lord. They they need prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us this morning. And as we get ready to take up the Lord's offering you give and, and help us as we do the Lord's work here. But let's let's ask God to meet with us in a real way. Robert, lead us. Amen. You can be seated. Thank 
singing this morning. Number 75, 75, in the sweet by and by, we'll meet on that beautiful shore. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
so you don't hurt nobody when you're doing it. Amen. That's what preaching's got to be, too. You don't want to hurt nobody, but you got to be thorough. Amen. And when you do it, you, then everything runs smooth. See, you've got, you got beauty in your life. I'll make an analogy out of that in a minute anyway. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we're going we're gonna to start in verse 12, but we're just going to get right on our knees and pray because I don't see no reason to, to read it twice. Let's just go ahead and get on our knees and go. Father, I thank you this morning. I, it's a blessing to be in your house. Lord, I've looked forward to it all week long. Lord, I'm so thankful for your people who came to your house today to worship you. Lord, I pray for the ones who didn't make it today. I don't know what keeps uh, folks from, from getting to the house of God, but, Lord, you do. And, Lord, I pray, Father, you work in their lives to remove it. Help them, Lord. Thank you for the ones who did come. Father, I pray you'd bless us and, and, and speak to us. Spirit of God, work in our lives, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'll, that you'll minister to us today, that you'll teach us some things. Holy Spirit of God, open our open our understanding. Make us aware of what the Word of God is saying to us personally. Lord, that we may apply it. Lord, that we may get up and put these things on like a pair of boots and walk in them. And Lord, see what all you have for us. Help us to not be bystanders, sitting on the bleachers of life, watching what the Word of God says. Help, help us to be active participants to get in the middle of what you're doing, Father, and, and trust you for the power to get it done and for the wisdom to get it done. Lord, please help me to preach now. I just want to honor the Lord Jesus today. Help me to preach the Word of God, and we'll give you all the glory and the praise for everything that's done. Speak to hearts now. Touch every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to kind of pick up a little bit ahead where we were. We finished last week, sort of. Uh, so we're, we're not going to read all chapter 9. We're just going to kind of jump there. In, in about verse 12. But uh, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, Paul's talking about the fact that there were some people in Corinth, uh, in Corinth who, who basically had, had told him, said, we don't really think you're an apostle. And, you know, you wasn't one of the 12. You, you wasn't one, you wasn't one that, that was walking around with Jesus. And, uh, and, and I'm sure it was started probably from the Jews that were there in the church because they had more familiarity with apostles than, than the Gentiles would have at all. But regardless of where it started, uh, it had gotten to the point where Paul felt like he had to address it. And he basically told him, look, you don't think I'm an apostle? Well, how in the world did you get here? How'd this church that you're sitting in get there? God sent me to do that. And he told him, and he, and he, and he told him as well, he said, look, you know, not only am I an apostle, but I have, I have rights as an apostle. I have, I have liberty and rights as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I have the power, he said in verse 4, I have the power to eat and drink. In other words, I have the power to do, and he's referring to what he said in chapter 8 about, about eating meat sacrificed to idols. He said, I could eat it if I want to. I have the liberty to eat and drink. I have the liberty to eat and drink what I please. But, but he goes on to talk about the sacrifices that he makes. He has, I have the liberty to, to eat and drink. I have the liberty to get married, by the way. He says, by the way, that he says he has, he has the liberty to, uh, to lead about a sister. He's talking about a Christian sister, a wife. He's, he has liberty to get married. You know, by the way, uh, that reminds me of another place in the Bible where it talks about uh, where it's talking about uh, forbidden to marry and abstaining from meats and all those different things that the Bible warns us about. Uh, but you know, do you know right? Like again, I hate to point that church all the time. They call themselves a church, but that Catholic outfit right over there—they're the ones who say their priests shouldn't marry. They're the ones who forbid to marry. They're the ones who abstain from meats. 
you don't eat certain meats on certain days. You eat fish on Friday because you don't eat meat and all that. That's that's, that's where all that stuff fits into the Bible. Uh, but but anyway, Paul said, I got liberty. I can do I can do any of these things. And he also tells them, look, you're supposed to take care of the man of God. You're supposed to take care of of, of the preacher. He's saying, listen, I I have we have power to forbear working. We we can, we can lay off this tent making and have you take care of us, and it's certainly a right to do so because, I mean, listen, he's telling them, look, we're taking care of you spiritually. We're feeding you spiritually. So in, in verse 12, um, that's where he says, he says, if we be partakers of this power, if if others be partakers of this power of you, in other words, if you say you, uh, you, you're you uh, leasing a property and, and you pay them for the ability to live there, uh, you know, if you've got somebody who brings, I guess back in that day, maybe uh, maybe they had to they had to have somebody to 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 uh, do ser- render services to them or whatever because it wasn't like uh, paying light bills and water bills, but they had bills they had to pay, and those people who did services for them they had to pay for it. So he said, if others have this partaker, uh, per- be partakers of this power over you, in other words, we 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 render to you a service, then you. You, you render to us payment for that service. He said, if others have that power, are we not rather? He said, you know, he said, because we, we've, we've given you spiritual things. He said, it's not strange we reap your carnal things. In other words, you take care of us. Now, in verse 13, he says, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Y'all know the Levites, right? Okay, the Levites were a tribe uh, that, that their whole purpose was to be workers in the temple of God. Their whole existence was to minister for the Lord. That was their purpose. Okay, so they didn't they didn't live like everybody else in Israel. They didn't have all the the same uh, lifestyles of other men in Israel. They lived of the temple. They worked in the temple. Their lives were all about the service of God in the temple. So they were dedicated to the Lord, and so in doing so and in being so, they were taken care of by the people in the service of God. So they lived off the people's offerings, their meat offerings, uh, all their offerings. They, they lived off of that. In verse 14, it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained, well, should live of the gospel. We looked at three points last week on on this about about how this is right and proper that a church take care of its pastors. And 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 so we looked at, at three other things, but to, this morning we're going to look at the fourth one, which is is Christ ordained this. And and again, I'm not I'm not preaching, trying to get you to do anything for me. I'm just simply telling you and educating you on what the Bible teaches. Uh, and he's in the Bible again. God has ordained this. Christ ordained this. You know, again, if the arguments we gave last week wasn't strong enough, this is the strongest. The head of the child, head of the head of the church commands this, and he sees what's fitting and best. And we run counter to the mind of Christ if we don't yield prompt and a willing obedience. Whatever we may think, this is what Christ thinks. Matthew ten ten, he told his apostles, neither, neither nor take script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. In other words, you go and you do the work of God, they'll take care of you. That's what he's saying. And then in Luke 10, 8, he says, And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, 
eat such things as are set before you. In other words, you go and do the work of God, the people will take care of you. That Again, that's, that's Christ. I'm going to get done with this and get on to the message. I'm just trying to get through the chapter. It should be rendered cheerfully. Uh, it shouldn't be something that people just hate to do. It ought to be done with a cheerful heart. Second Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And grudging and holding back gifts like that, it, it's, it's semi-disobedience to Christ. And it's, it's, it's dishonoring to you to do that. I mean, if God told you to do it, and God says, do it with a cheerful heart, you just, no, you got to snatch it out of my hand. Well, that's not very, that's not honoring, is it? No. And it, and it ought to be, it, it, here's something that I want you to understand. What's given to a preacher should never be looked at as an equivalent for what you got. Okay? I use this joke. A little, uh, family went to church one Sunday. And, uh, you know, and they, they, they was on their way home. And the man, the man was driving. He said, you know, I really didn't care too much about that message. It didn't do much for me. I, I really didn't get much out of it. And the wife said, well, I didn't care much for that lady that sang either. I didn't really like her voice. And it just really wasn't that entertaining and little boy in the back said he piped up he said i thought it was a pretty good show for a quarter amen he told the truth amen so again i guess what you if if all you put in was a quarter i guess you got a quarter's worth but it shouldn't be look you shouldn't look at well i don't i didn't care for his last sermon so i'm not giving this sunday that's not how god wants you to do things you don't like my preaching, here's what you do. You get on your knees, you pray, God, give him something. That's what you do if you don't like the preaching. But we should, you shouldn't look at the pay, or what you give the preacher as payment. It, it, it's, he's not received. Preachers don't receive a salary. We live in this business world where we get this idea that preachers are getting a salary. And if a preacher gets a salary, he's doing things wrong. He's a hireling. That's not the way God views things. And it's, a, it's a degrading view for a preacher to get a salary. A minister is to be supported. He's not to he's not to be employed. Uh, he's to be supported while he gives himself totally for the spiritual profit to those who he serves. That's what a preacher is to do. He's a servant. And Acts chapter six, verses two and four tells you exactly what a minister is. Listen to what it says. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God. Get that right there. It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. I realize that some preachers, they spend all week long running, zigzagging across the county, making sure everybody's doing just right and sitting at everybody's couch and all that. That's not me. I'm sorry. That's just not me. I'm not trying to run around and make sure everybody ain't sinning. That's when you and God. I'm here to give you the message. I'm here to I'm here to love on you when we're together. And 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 if you need me, you call me. I'll be there. But I'm not going to run around and check on everybody all week. Uh, again, the Bible says that you're to give yourself as it, to give yourself to the Word of God. He says, verse three. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, of whom we may appoint over this business. And he said, and but we here's what we'll do. We're not going to 
do about the, the business of the deacons or these seven men, what are they doing? They're going and making sure the widows and the orphans are taken care of. They're going and making sure people are all right and they got their needs met. He said, well, what are we going to do? We'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's studying the Word of God. That's pre- preparing messages. That's, that's finding out what God, the mind of God is so that I may bring it and, and, and let it bo- God boil it down to its essence and pour it out of me on you. That's what God. That's what God does with the preacher. But again, and, and thirdly on that, it, what's what's given should be sufficient. So now let's move on from all that. All right. Beginning verse fifteen, Paul said, "But I have used none of these things. Neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me. For it would be better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void." Now, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul, he had some rights. He had a right to expect that those he had invested in would take care of his needs as he ministered to other people. And and he had Christian brothers in other churches. He had, uh, I think there's one man in Ephesus, a wealthy man, and they they contributed to his support. But, But I believe that here it's because of the carnal behavior of this church that Paul don't want their financial support. He said, listen to what he said. He said, I, I, I got rights to all that. I got rights to say, y'all need to take care of me. Y'all make sure I got supper to eat. Y'all make sure that I have a place to stay. Y'all make sure that I, that I have my needs met while I'm here in Corinth. He was there for, I think, a year and six months, 18 months. So he could have said, hey, y'all need to make sure I'm taken care of while I'm here, but he didn't do that. No, Paul probably said, probably said in a nice uh, shady area throughout the day, Stowing on the side of the road, making tents, and probably preaching to anybody and everybody who'd stop and listen to him. I'm sure that's what he did. He probably sat and sowed and told about Jesus. And when he got done at the end of the day, he probably packed up his stuff. He probably went down to somebody's house and had supper with someone and sat and visited with them and shared the truth of doctrine and, and, and enriched their lives in the Word of God. And then on, when, on Sundays, they gathered as a church, and, and Wednesdays, and whenever they gathered, uh, you know, he had a right to expect that they took care of him. But that's not what he did. He said, I didn't write these things that you'd start doing that. He said, it's better for me. I'd rather die than somebody make my glory. He's saying, I'd rather die than, than, than you carnal believers down at Corinth say, yeah, well, he wouldn't make it to one for us. That preacher wouldn't make it if we didn't take care of him. Paul said, don't, don't, don't pull the rug out from under me. Don't, don't pop my balloon. Don't try to steal my joy. Let me tell you something. He, he, listened. he said, for though I preach the gospel, i got nothing to glory of. He said, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. See, you understand something? When Paul came to town, it was not the Apostle Paul show. I got I got a friend who has a sister, and they went to uh, over to Dallas this weekend to the the, the it was Greg. I don't know if y'all heard of Greg Locke. He's a, he's a big shot uh, influencer pastor. Uh, he's he's uh, Deliverance Ministries. I, uh, that's something he's doing now. And, and again, he used to be he used to be independent pastor. I don't know what he is now. He's out there. But again, people flock to that thing, expecting. Somebody just zap them on top of the head and they're going to get healed. I mean, that's just, God don't function like that. 
today. God didn't function like that before. Amen. Hey, listen, Christ, when he put when he when he formed clay and spittle and put it in a man's eyes, the guy didn't jerk and shake and fall down in the floor. No, he went and washed and he could he could see. Amen. Uh so so again, Paul said, Listen, I got nothing to glory about. I got nothing to brag about. And and be be very wary of any preacher who wants to hog the spotlight and it's all about him and likes to see his picture taken and his name up on stuff. Be wary of a preacher who's all about himself. You know, again, Paul said, I got nothing to glory about. I got nothing to glory of. He had one job, and he was there to do it, and that's gospel preaching. That's his only job. He said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Again, he feared the Lord. Whether y'all ever take care of me, whether you ever give me a penny, it ain't about the money. I'd like to be taken care of, he said, but not by a bunch of folks who want to rub it in my face. No, I wouldn't want that at all. But I don't mind being taken care of, but, but praise God, I don't do this for that reason. I do this so I can get people into heaven and keep people out of hell, and that's the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I know God will take care of me if I do it. And I believe that. I believe God will put the angels on, on bread and water rations to, to feed a preacher who's doing God's work. I believe that with all my heart. I, I've heard too many stories from preachers how God took, took care of them when they needed him, uh, when they were needing help. Verse 17, he said, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. What reward is he saying he's talking about? He said, if I do this thing willingly, if I, and if I preach the gospel willingly, if I, if, I don't, if, I, if I don't fight God on it, if I just go town to town, place to place, person, I tell people about Jesus, that he died on the cross, and he paid their sin debt, how he was buried, that he rose from the grave, triumphant over the grave, over sin and death, and I tell them I can have eternal life. Listen, if I go and do that, I have a reward, he said. 1 Corinthians 3.14, he's speaking about the judgment seat of Christ. That's where his reward is. It's not, it's not if I do that, they're going to build me a, a great big parsonage. If I do that, here's my reward. We'll build a gigantic church, and they'll put my name on the plaque. I'll be honored throughout the nation as the top preacher. I might get my faith in Christian Weekly. They might write a book about me someday. Or I might start a book ministry and, and travel the country after I decide to retire. Hmm. No, that's not what he's talking about, reward. But you know, a lot of people view reward as stuff. If I get a great big house and I get a, a Bentley I can drive and pull up and all the peons see me in my fancy, shiny black Bentley, you know, I mean, give me a pair of alligator shoes, $10,000 Armani suit, I'm blessed. No, that's not blessing. No, the reward comes at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible tells us there, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. The reward comes from the Lord, and we know about it. It's gold, silver, precious stones is the way that the Bible compares it to the wood, hay, and stubble of, of doing things selfishly and, and, and worldly things that don't amount to anything. God calls it gold. Uh, silver and, and precious stones, which means it will remain, which means after we go through the judgment bar, there will be literal reward that we will never lose. 
things that will always remind us of our love for Jesus, remind us of how when we had a choice, we loved him on purpose. It will always be there to remind us throughout eternity that we loved him on purpose. Amen? That's, that's reward. Amen? You'll never get tired of looking at that reward in heaven and be reminded that you loved him on purpose. Amen? <clears throat> Matthew six nineteen and 20 through 21, the Lord said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Hmm. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of preachers that need to read that. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. So a treasure here, it's, it's fleeting. And, and again, even you can have the nicest treasure, but, but time and, 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 and the environment corrode and, and break down. The sun will destroy nearly everything you got if you don't put it under something. I mean, this world is, is, a, is a dying place. It's a decaying place. Jesus said, don't focus on this world. Don't focus on the things of this world. Don't focus on trying to have all the stuff in the world because you can't take that stuff with you, but you can take people with you. Hear me this morning. Hear me. Somebody needs to hear me today. We need to quit worrying about things and start being more concerned with people who have an eternity to spend somewhere. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I guarantee you, you stroll down heaven's boulevard and you bump into somebody that you personally led to Jesus Christ, there'll be no better feeling than heaven ever. Today, 
who try to dominate and control everybody's life and try to run everybody's life. I've been around some who scare you to death how, how dominant they were over their congregation. I know a missionary who the preacher was letting him live on the property and he made the preacher mad. The preacher went over and shot his dog. I mean, that Presbyterian preacher was telling people what kind of car they could buy and what kind of car they couldn't buy and, and, and making, trying to make decisions for the men in the family. Listen, that's a tyrant. God never called a preacher to do those kind of things. God never called a preacher to, to dominate the lives of those he pastors. No, we're to lead. We're not to drive. Amen. You lead somebody by example. You, you don't. You drive somebody with a rod, and that's not that's not God's way of doing things. Uh, that's not the way God wants us doing things. And and they abuse they abuse their power. Paul said, I, "I'm not going to abuse that power. I, I, I I'm going to I'm going to." I'm going to I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to make a gospel without charge. I don't want to abuse my power. I don't ever want somebody to look at, at, at me and say I'm dominating somebody's life or I'm controlling somebody's life. No, listen, I, I, God never intended it to be that way, and Paul didn't want it to be that way. Verse 19, he said, For though I be free from all men, yet I have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. I'm getting into the message now here with a few minutes left. <clears throat> For though I be free from all men, even though he had removed himself from being financially taken care of by the church of Corinth, that's what he said, what he means when he's saying, though I be free from all men, so I'm not taking a penny from your church. He said, yet I have made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Just because he wasn't taking money from the people of the church of Corinth, he hadn't removed himself from the responsibility to the Lord Jesus to give Jesus to the people of Corinth. So he said, look, I don't owe you anything, but I'm your servant. He was a servant. He was bound to his duty, not to a paycheck, not to a supper plate, not to, well, if you take care of me, I'll do this. No, I'll do this regardless. If you take care of me, that'd be nice, but if you don't, I'm still going to do it because i got a job to do. I look at this as my obligation and duty to God, not as a job that I do. And, and I, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, that's what Paul said, but I'm telling you, me personally, I view this the same way. This is not, when somebody asks me, what do you do for a living? I, I, I hesitate to say I'm a pastor because, yes, while this church does take me financially, I don't look at this as what I do for a living. I do this because God called me to do it. Amen? If it provides me a living, glory to God. But that's not why I do what I do. And any man who's worth his salt in the ministry feels the same way about it. Amen? God called us. It's a calling. It's not a job. Amen? He said that, he said, though I'll be free from all men. Again, he was free. He, he's talking about a freedom most of us don't know anything about. Paul, Paul was free. I mean, I mean, I, I understand he's bound to God, but he's free. He's free like, like an old West cowboy on a horse riding out across the West. He got, he ain't got no obligations. He's removed himself from all those things. He's free like a, like a hobo riding the rails or a drifter walking from town to town or, or, or a guy on a motorcycle just riding. He's, he's free like that. He had that kind of freedom, but he's also bound to the Lord. So while he's free to do as he pleases, he's got a duty at the same time. What I'm trying to get around to is this word called sacrifice, personal sacrifice. 
That's really what this message is about, is personal sacrifice. I'm preaching a message from, from, from Ezekiel. I mean, uh, let's see, where was that? I preached it. First Kings on, on, on uh, Elijah. We talked about where they got the water from. I don't know if you all remember that message. That three times they had to get water, fill those pots. And there wasn't no, no way they could get to the ocean. It hadn't rained in three years. There weren't no springs. They'd been looking for springs, looking for everything. The only place they had water, the people had water. And they had a limited supply. And unless they sacrificed, listen, for, and the theme of that message was this. In order for there to be power, something has to sacrifice itself. You, you want to run your vehicle, the gasoline in your tank has to sacrifice itself. If you want to build a fire and cook, cook something over the fire, the wood has to sacrifice itself in order for there to be power. And in order for the power of God to work through Paul, Paul had to sacrifice. In order for God to use us, we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves to God. And to God... Here I am. Use me. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about when it says that we present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, give yourself to me, and I can put power into your life and do things that you never dreamed of doing. But you've got to give yourself. That's what Paul said. I'm free. I'm free, but I've given myself as a servant that I might gain the more. He had sacrificed his life for God. He had made himself as clay in the Lord's hand, not to be molded how he wanted to be molded, but to be molded how the Lord wanted him to be molded. He'd handed himself to the Lord like a piece of clay from a hobby shop. The Lord, you make me what you want me to be. Verse 20 and 21, 22, he, he, he tells us how. He said, and unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as being without law, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So what means did he use? He said, I did. By all means. Well, what means? Well, preaching. You can't, listen, it, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 21, 121, I believe that is. Preaching. Paul preached. Do you know, you know, you and I, you, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. You're the preacher. Well, did you know you're able to preach even if you're not a pastor? Did you know that your life ought to preach to people? Did you know that your testimony ought to preach to people? Preaching is proclaiming. You're not pastor of the church. You're not being authority that God didn't call you to. But you certainly can proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to anybody. Amen? I don't mean the ladies need to jump up on the picnic table and start bearing down like Joyce Myers on people, you know, somewhere. I don't mean that. But I'm, but listen, there's nothing wrong with a, with a lady sitting there sharing her testimony and sharing what Jesus has done in her life with somebody else, there's no problem whatsoever with that. Anybody ought to do that. Everybody ought to do that. How else did he do it? By what means, Paul? A one-on-one conversation. You know, sometimes that's the best kind. When it's just you and somebody else and you you got their ear. And tell them, 
Tell them what Christ has done for you. Tell him where tell them where you came from. Tell them what you were before he came in and changed you and, and made you a new creature. Share with them what he'll do for them and give them the opportunity to trust him themselves. What Paul did. He did it through his writing. He communicated the truth of the gospel in his letters that we know today as the apostles. You know what? If you if you have a talent for writing, there's people in this room that have a talent for writing, I guarantee you. I, you ought to write letters to people. Do you know people sit and read a letter? They'll pay attention to a letter. If somebody took the time to write it. You can write somebody a letter and tell them they need Jesus, somebody you love and care about. Listen, share it. If you're not able to talk uh, good with your words from your lips, use your hand. Write it down. That's what Paul, Paul did that very same thing. What else did he use? He used prayer. He hit his knees. He prayed for those people. Are you praying for the people in your life that need Jesus? Are you praying for them to come to Christ? Are you praying for them to get under conviction of the Holy Ghost of God? Are you praying for them to look to Christ and not to this world for answers? He used his testimony. He lived consistently what he preached before him. And he humbled himself at sacrifice. Again, he sacrificed his pride. He sacrificed what others thought about. You remember, you remember what he said? Forgetting those things which are behind, I press for the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. He was a prominent man. He had prestige. He was, he was highly respected. He put all that aside. He didn't care what anybody thought about him. He was degraded, beaten, and, and treated like a common criminal. He put all of he sacrificed all of that. I'm somebody. He sacrificed that for God. Laid that completely aside. They some of us need to do that. That idea that I'm somebody. Listen, you you, you were nobody till God got in your life. And now you're his child. Yes, you're somebody. You're a child of the king and we should conduct ourselves in such a way. But he practiced, again, he humbled himself and he reached them. When he mentions Jews and the, 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 them that are without law, he's talking about the, the Gentiles who, who don't know the law of God. They weren't raised up in the law, in the law of Moses. They didn't know that. So he has to cater to diff, two different cultures there. And he said, I can, I can, I, I'm a Jew, so I can certainly relate to the Jews. To the Jew, he didn't come at them from, hey, I'm a Christian now, and you're a Jew. You better get saved. He came at, hey, I'm a Jew. Let me talk to you a minute. He talked to them just man to man, Jew to Jew. And, and, he, and he carried them through the Old Testament to Christ. To the Gentile, he didn't try to come at them as a Jew. He came to them just like they were. He got down on their level. He could talk to them. He was at Mars Hill. You remember when he was in Athens? He spoke to those people. He used their gods as a way to get through to them and their philosophers. He spoke to them in their own language. And he said, you know, he said, and to the weak, I became weak. You know, some of us, we, 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 we're too holy to get our hands dirty. Sometimes you've got to get, on your, get down in the dirt with somebody to bring them up out of it. That don't mean you get down and roll in it. That just means you, you just have to grit your teeth and get down there in the dirt with them to pull them up out of it. That is that. And by the way, no, don't take me wrong. I had somebody, I mentioned this too, and they said, well, that mean I was going to beer joint trying to win people? I said, no. <laughs> no. I preached to me one time. I believe the Lord walked around that he'd go to beer joints. I said, no, he wouldn't. 
The Lord wouldn't have joint, they'd clear that sucker out. I guarantee you that. They wouldn't be in there hanging out and, and dancing. I guarantee you. They'd shut the lights. they turn the lights on. They'd turn the music off, and everybody would get out of there because they didn't want to be around Jesus. So they'd, they'd get saved, one or two. But that ain't how God wants us to do it. God's not asking us to go into, oh, listen, if you, if God called you to do that, God give you strength to do it. But if you don't have strength to, to, to step off into things like that, don't do it until God leads you and shows you that you're that you're able to do such without being tempted and falling yourself. Um, but Paul said, I listen, I helped those that were weak. I didn't I didn't look at them as unworthy. And he said, I do this for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. In other words, I I, I lay aside all the the rights that I have. All of the all of the I could do this, I can do that. Listen, I'll sacrifice any of that. I'll I'll lay my liberties down in order to get down where somebody else is at in their bondage, in order to help them so that God will free them from their chains. All of it was for Jesus. All because the blood was shed. All because he didn't stay in that grave. He got up from that grave. And it came from a desire to please the Lord Jesus. It came from a desire to finish strong. You know, Paul had an extreme desire to finish strong. Why? Because he started wrong in life, and he knew he'd started wrong in life. He stood there and held those coats while they stoned Stephen. He never got over that. He wanted to make up for that. That's why when he got ready to die there in 2 Timothy, he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He finished strong. I fought a good fight. That's what he's saying. Listen, I want to finish strong. I want to be a partaker of this with you. Verse 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Paul's giving them a charge here. He said, listen, everybody, everybody in the race is running, but only one's going to win. So run fast. Get to running. What he means is to us as a church is we need to get busy. We don't need to sit around and lean against the wall where Jesus to come. We need to get up and get to running for Jesus. Get up and do something for the Lord while there's still time. Verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Every man that striveth for the mastery, he's trying to win that gold medal. Whether you're, whether you're shooting an arrow in an archery event or whether you're trying to do the long jump or, or whether you're doing the 40, 440 relay or whatever, whatever event you're in, everybody's trying their best to win. And if you're living for God in a way that, in a way that shows that you want to please God, that you're interested in living for God, you're not coasting, you're really trying to, you know what you'll do? You'll be careful how you live. You won't live any sort of way. You'll be careful. You'll be temperate. That means there are certain things you won't do. There are certain things that you, you don't, places you don't go. There are certain foods you don't eat. There are certain things that you, you take care of yourself. You want to make sure that everything's done right. Why? Well, these people that, listen, you take people that train for the Olympics. The Olympics don't roll around about four, every four years. I mean, they're careful about what they eat. They don't go to McDonald's. They, they they don't eat at Subway. They may advertise for them, but they don't eat there. 
they got they probably they probably got chefs cooking specialized meals for them. They eating all kind of nutritional things to try to make sure their body's in tip top shape because they realize their body's an engine, and if it isn't running just right, they're not going to win. So they do everything they can to be careful as they can in order to make sure that they are in tip top ultimate optimum shape in order to compete for the prize that they're trying to reach. Now Paul's using that as a picture to you and I. Paul's saying they do this to win a ribbon or a medal or a or a or an olive wreath around their head. Now why wouldn't we be more careful? And why wouldn't we work harder for a reward that will never tarnish and will never disappear? Why wouldn't we work harder than people that train for the Olympic Games? Because, listen, there's, you know, who who can remember who won the Olympic Games 200 years ago? Anybody know? The names are gone. But you know what? You You, you do what Paul's saying here, and you get busy for God. You run for the Lord. You compete for him. You do what you can to try to to try to lay up reward in heaven. Ten million years from now, it won't tarnish. It'll still be there. Amen. They'll still hey. They'll still come out of their mansion and meet you at the driveway, and hug your neck. Thank God you told me about Jesus. Thank God. Paul said, "I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I. It's not as one that beateth the air." Again, those that, go, those that compete for those games, they go through years of strict training. Years of strict training. Can I ask you something? Are you, in, are you in the Word of God daily? Are you in it every day? Are you there uh, being trained to serve God? Or are you there uh, learning to trust Him with your life? Or are you just playing this thing by ear? You look at the Bible every now and then, glance at it, flip through a few pages, read a verse, and then, Put it down, pick up something else, look at your phone. Or do you or do you have time that you spend with God? Is he an appointment that you keep? Because I'm telling you, if you were trying to win, you'd be you'd be serious about it. The Holy Spirit of God is there to be your trainer. He's there with you every step of the way. He never leaves. He's there to train you in the Word of God. He's there to guide you in the plan that God has for your life. He knows the way. He knows how to make you a success. Amen. He is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows how to be a success. And he wants to make you a success for God. Paul explains here, look, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm dead serious. I'm in a battle. I'm not I'm not I'm not showing off. I'm not standing there just punching at the air trying to show you how pretty I am. Like Muhammad. I'm pretty. That's what I see. That's where a lot of preachers are. They're like a shadow boxer. I'm pretty. Look at me. I'm pretty in my suit. Listen, I want to knock the fire out of the devil. I want. I, listen, I want. I want to score some rounds for Jesus. Amen. Paul's saying I'm, I'm going to make every lick count. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm in a battle. What did he say? I fought a good fight. You don't know shadow boxing when you fight a good fight. Amen. I fought a good fight. Praise God. Hey, listen. He said, and I keep my body. I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, as my old preacher used to say, I got my landing gear down. We're circling the field. We're looking for a place to land. All right? Now, stay with me to the end. Paul said, "My, my, my I keep under my body. What does he mean? My body, my body sometimes wants a cheeseburger. My body sometimes wants some Reese's peanut butter cups. But I'm competing. Now, I'm using the analogy. 
I'm run, I'm running I'm I'm working out for the Olympics. I can't I can't go have I can't go to In and Out Burger and have an animal style burger. I can't do nothing like that. Hey listen, I, I can't go to Dairy Queen and, and, and get a foot long uh cheese uh, cheese uh, cheese dog, kill a cheese dog right for a day of rice. Amen. I can't I can't do that. I gotta take care of myself. It's important. My flesh says, Man, you ain't had you ain't had a pizza in a long time. Your flesh starts feeling sorry for itself. You've been good for a long time. You want to hurt this fudge a little. Get out and do a little living. It won't hurt. Well, the devil will tell you that. Well, the devil's a liar. You have to tell your flesh to shut up. You need to learn to tell your flesh to hush. Amen. You need to learn to, you know how you do that? You, tell, you take it to God. And you say, Lord, my flesh my flesh wants to do wrong. Father, please, I want to please you. Lord, give me the power to overcome my flesh. Lord God, give me victory over this. See, my flesh starts talking about all the rights it has and all the things that it deserves. That's just these social justice warriors that we hear about today. All their rights and all the things they deserve, and they're going to fight for it, and they call that Christian. God says, no, that's the opposite. Opposite is to not be bragging about what you deserve and all your rights. To be Christian is to sacrifice and humble yourself and help and serve someone else and let God lift you up. Amen? I'm going to wrap this up. We're getting tired. All right? Listen, God reminds me when I start feeling like I'm not getting all that I deserve, God reminds me I didn't get what I deserved. Jesus got it. Amen? Lest you should ever feel like you're being downtrodden. Remember, you didn't get what you deserved. Uh, this Christian life's hard, but it ain't hard as Calvary is. That's right, amen? So don't get to griping and get mad at God because just realize you didn't have to go through what you ought to have to go through. Amen? Thank God Jesus did it for you. I'm going to believe you with this idea, amen? I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to do it one more time. The opposites. A life lived for self versus a life of sacrifice. Two ships in a dock, equally loaded. One ship has a captain and a full crew. It has charts to reach the destination. The other ship, no captain, no crew, no direction. It's just unhitched from the dock. The other one sets sail. Which one of those ships is likely to make it to the destination? First one or the second? First one. Sands a probably a 99% chance of making it to its destination. Whereas the second ship, with no plan, no direction, no crew, going to wind up on an, beach, on an abandoned beach somewhere, shipwrecked, if it don't find its way to the bottom of the ocean. Everybody in here is one of those two ships. Which one are you? Which one are you? Is God steering and guiding your vessel? And do you have a purpose? Are you headed for a destination? I'm not asking you, are you saved this morning? I'm asking you, do you have a purpose in this life when it comes to living for God? Or are you just like that ship that's just unhitched 
and just floating and bobbing through the waters with no plan whatsoever. We need to make some sacrifices. We need to make sure we're sailing the right way. We need to make sure God is in control, not us. Get our hands, get our dirty, filthy hands off the wheel and let God drive. Amen. What ship are you? Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to turn to 160 and we're going to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus here in just a second. I'm going to urge you, if God's speaking to your heart this morning, do business with God. This is the time we set aside to do business with the Lord. I really like you to do it at home, but sure is good when the Spirit of God's speaking to you and moving to do business with him right now. And these altars are open. You can come and, and do business with the Lord today. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, I just love you. I thank you so much. Lord, for the message, I thank you for the truth in it. Lord, we're not we're not to fuss and boast and brag in this life. Lord, we're to we're to sacrifice ourselves to you and let you do with us what you will. Father, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God is speaking to somebody's heart this morning about some matter, some area of their life that you want control over that they've not yielded to you. Or, Lord, maybe just their life in general, to give it to you in your service. Whatever, in whatever capacity that may be, Lord, we know that, that you you didn't make people that, that, that you don't use. You didn't make second-class Christians. Lord, everybody's important in your family. Lord, I pray this, this, this day, this will be the time we realize, somebody wakes up and realizes, I'm to be doing something for God. I'm not to wait around and do nothing. I'm to be busy for the Lord. What would he have me to do? Father, I pray they'd bring, they'd bring their self to you and put their self in your hands and trust you with their life. Lord, please bless the invitation now, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 160.
praise the Lord. Well, let's let's have a word of prayer and we're gonna ask a blessing on the food that we got back here in the back. And want everybody to stay and come back here with us and we got plenty to eat. Fill your belly and enjoy some fellowship. And we'll just and that'll be the end of our, our worship day and we we get through eating today, but you spend this afternoon with family, friends, whatever, use that time to fellowship and, and share the Lord with folks. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless the meal. And uh, Brother Dan, lead us in prayer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.